Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stephen. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. tell you that you are a generous church. We're working through the book of Acts at the moment and this series is called Empowered. And uh, Steve Blake, um, playing with the sound up there, are they? And Steve Blake uh, preached, he was supposed to preach this week and I was supposed to preach last week but we've done a bit of a switch. So he um, took Acts 3 because that's what I already prepped for him and I'm going to go back to Acts 2, the end of Acts 2 because I just uh, think this is such a significant passage Acts 2 verses 42 to 49 and I've been just reading this this weekend and there's just, I don't know, the more I've read it, the more I've recognised the theology of the church, you know, um, that there is a pattern, a, a way we do church and there's a purpose about it because the book of Acts sets out that template at the start of Acts. So we're going to read, um, uh, we're going to read verses, uh, Acts 2 verses 42 to 49 and I'm not sure why we haven't got a screen up yet, but let's stick a screen up so people can read on Luke. There you way. Not really. If you've got it, your Bibles there, open your Bibles there to Acts 2, verses 42 to 49. And it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And this passage is at the end of Acts. You know, we, we, a few weeks ago we, we looked at the beginning of chapter 2 uh, on Pentecost Sunday. We talked about you know, how the Holy Spirit came to those 120 believers um, in that upper room and, uh, and they were obediently waiting on the Holy Spirit. They were praying for the Holy Spirit. And we read about that very same day, 3,000 people are saved, repenting, are baptised and we assume that, that those that made that decision were filled with the Holy Spirit as well. Um, and because they asked Peter this question, what shall we do in Acts 2 verses 38 to 41, just to come back a little bit before that. And Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So it went from 120 to 3,000 in one day. Incredible. See, through the Holy Spirit's empowering, believers grew from 120 to 3,000 in one day. And we read this next passage I've already read this morning, Acts verse, uh, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And here we see the template, the foundations of the early New Testament church put in place. And uh, as I said, there's a theology here in these, these verses. And it's really important to examine these sorts of scriptures just to, to make sure we're continuing to build on the same foundations that the apostles and the disciples built in those early days. 
and, and for us, for the church and for Baylife Church. It's the same distinctions. We want etched in the way we do church um, based on God's word and his plan for mankind. And, and, and so I want to read that, that same scripture again, Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. I just, want to, I just want you to let that wash over you because I've read this over and over this week and I just, there's just some significant stuff in this stuff for us. And uh, so, so let's read again. You can get back to that screen. Yep. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. You see, the first few words of that, I know there's miraculous stuff and great teaching through that, but I cannot tell you, the first three words, they devoted themselves. I love that simple thought. They devoted themselves. A group of people, we're assuming around about 3,000 people now. It was 120 in one day, it's now 3,000. Believers, the church, they didn't call it the church then, but they devoted themselves to the following things we're going to look at here this morning. But I want you to get the full significance of those simple words at the start. They devoted themselves. No one made them, no one forced them. There wasn't uh, the the whole legalism thing happening, that they had to do that. Um, It wasn't demanded by anyone. It was their spirit-led response to the grace of God and what he was doing in them and through them. And because of their decision to repent and be baptised in the name of Jesus, because they are filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, they chose to devote themselves to the things of God, to the body of Christ. And the Greek word for devoted, I'm not sure I'm going to get this right, but proskaterio, which means to be in constant attendance, to be fully employed, to stand ready as a soldier as is ready for action or service. They're fully committed to this thing. It wasn't just a thing they did on Sunday. It was who they were. That there was a call to be the church. And they didn't even call it the church. They didn't even have a name for it. They were just the believers, the gathering of God's people. It wasn't an add-on to their life. It was their life. It was their main thing. They devoted themselves, fully employed, constant attendance to the things of church. And, and I think to me those three words say a lot. They, they devoted themselves wholeheartedly to this thing we call the church today. And together they did amazing things. If you think about it, it's quite astonishing. Today we have, I'll get these numbers right, because last time I quoted numbers I, I made a mess of it, can I tell you. If anyone was here, I said 20 billion, 2 billion, 2, 20 million. I said all these different numbers. It was that, there's all these noughts on the page. And I, it's two billion believers, two, believing, two billion Christians, two billion Christians. Yeah, have we got that? I think that's right. Two billion Christians in this world today. It's, it's crazy to think over 2,000 years, this thing we call the church got established back then by 120, became 3,000, then became 5,000, then multiplied out to today we have got a third of the world population as Christians, or thereabouts, two billion believers. 
Did I get all the numbers right then? Did I say them all the right ones? Um, and churches established across every nation. You see, this multiplication is beyond natural explanation. It's, 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 it's happened over centuries with all sorts of resistance, uh, you know, with, with limitations of language, uh, national borders, political environments, laws, persecution, you name it. In fact, the, the church seems to prosper better under persecution. It seems to do better under that. And, and here's the thing, I, I, and I've said it probably before, but I want to say it again, it's, they're just ordinary people like you and me. Just, just ordinary people who had a revelation of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, devoted themselves to building the kingdom of God on this earth, the church, and, and they don't need anyone else to tell them how to do it. They didn't need, well, you shouldn't do this or you should do that. No, they devoted themselves. They were self-feeders, self-starters, self-motivated, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, and it's exactly the same thing we need to do today. We need to devote ourselves. You see, no matter how many good leaders we've got in this church, no matter how many great life groups we've got, how many discipleship groups, how many connection groups, um, Bible college processes we've got in place, we can't make anyone devote themselves. That's your call. That's your part in this process. And it's the way the church established on this earth. It's the way that they went from 120 to 3,000 to 5,000 to this multiplication, this growth chart would have been crazy because they devoted themselves. And I think sometimes we miss the significance of those words in, in amongst the, the wonderful, miraculous stuff that goes on. They devoted themselves. You see, the choice was not just to go to church but to be the church. The choice is not to just be an attender, it's to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And, and, and you know, we'll, we'll look at what we're devoting ourselves to this morning. We're going to look at the components of the church based on this scripture. But you see, this is God's original design, the blueprint for the church. It, it, it's, it's found here in the book of Acts. And, and, and if there, ever there was a, a, a church growth plan that worked, it was this one. In the first century, to talk about effectiveness, the church exploded. Why? Because the believers knew why they were there and what they were supposed to do. They knew why they were there and what they were supposed to do. They, were, they devoted themselves. And so Acts 2, verses 42 to 47, there are at least four foundational uh, qualities of the New Testament church we're going to look at this morning. The first one, they're a learning church, they're a loving church, they're a worshipping church and they're an evangelising church. That, those four things. And in fact, there's probably five or six that I can pick out from there, but I've tried to plonk it into four there just for the purposes of this. So the first thing it says on the first verse of that, that passage, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles were the one, ones that had been with Jesus. They'd actually hung with Jesus. They were passing on Jesus' teaching. And, and he, they taught... They tried to teach the others all the things that Jesus had told, taught them in the three years. Um, you know, the, the great commandment, the great commission, the beatitude, the, the parables, the stories that he told them, instructed them, he taught them about. And, uh, and I would imagine that's where the idea of recording the Bible came into to being because they realised they went from 120 that knew Jesus quite well 
to this 3,000 that really had only just heard about Jesus. And I imagine that's when they started recording the, 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 the parables and, and the stories of Jesus right then. You know, I mean, they, they, they did it a little later than that, but I reckon they would have started compiling those things right then. Because as the church grew, they recognised they needed a way to pass on that information. And as the memory became less and less clear, as you get older, your memory just doesn't, you, know, you just lose a little bit of clarity about those things and, and they wrote it down so that they could pass on for this generation and for the next generation and all the future generations to come so they could read the Gospels of Jesus Christ. So here's the first point. God's original design. They devoted themselves to becoming a learning church, to becoming a learning church. And it's essential any healthy growing church has a commitment to learning and, and, and preaching, you know, to hear the preaching, to hear the words shared, to, to understand what that represents for each one of us personally. And, and for them, that's meant listening to the apostles' teaching and, and hearing about what Jesus did and how it worked, reading the scriptures they had to the point, which at that stage would have been the Old Testament. They would have only had the Old Testament up to that stage and everything else was just verbal, you know, that... that what Jesus, they're attentive to that, to God's word. They devoted themselves. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Correctly handles the word of truth. You see, people develop an appetite for what they're fed on. And uh, it's how we get hooked on diets of sugar and salt and high fats and all those sorts of things because they, they, just, they just taste good, you know? They, they taste really good, Chris, don't they? <laughs> and, and it's so easy to get hooked on a junk diet in our life as well. It's so easy to watch TV and not think about reading the Word. It's so easy to do the other things, go on the internet rather than pray. It's so easy to do those other things because they're like the junk food in our in our, uh, our, our natural life. You know, they're, they're, they're easy to do. They're easy to, to, to eat, but they're not good for us. That's the point. It actually doesn't help us in our lives. We need to grow in our devotion to God's Word. We need to be devoted to this thing, to understand what it says to us personally, individually, and then also corporately. You know, Hebrews 5, 11 to 14 emphasises this. It says, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because, whoops, you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need, to, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Read that last sentence again. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use, by constantly reading the word of God, applying it to their lives, they've trained themselves to distinguish what is good from evil. A learning church is where discipleship takes, where we actually start to apply what the word of God says, because it says lots to our lives. You know, and, and we have things in this church that help in that, you know, Bible college and, and uh, life groups and and, and our, our, our growth steps and, and all the things that we have in place to, to do that. But it has to be out of your... You have to devote yourself to this. You can't, no one can make you do it. You know, it's devotion that comes from your heart, a hunger for the Word of God. 
and uh, if we're going to line up with God's original plan for the church, for the body of Christ, we have to become a learning church. And I say this to leaders all the time. You know, leaders are readers. You have to read. You have to get it into here and into here. You know, it's not all head knowledge, of course, but it has to be heart knowledge as well. It's got to be what, what the personal thing is for you out of that reading. The next thing they say they devote themselves to is to fellowship. They devote themselves to the fellowship. And fellowship is a Greek word, koinonia. And it means this. It means things held in common, open-hearted or warm-hearted sharing. And the derivative of that word is for generous. And you see, these people had a generosity about them. Because of who they knew, Jesus Christ, because of the Holy Spirit, they fellowshiped together with that in common exactly as we should today. We've got exactly the same revelation of Jesus Christ. We've got exactly the same Holy Spirit residing within us. Exactly the same. It's really, I don't know, it's just, it spins me out a little bit when I think about that. Exactly the same Holy Spirit did what he did then is in operation in our lives today. And... Uh, and we see this 3,000 you know, following this raggedy bunch of 120, I guess, at that stage and they, they assimilated into it and they committed to it and they joined to it and they devoted themselves to the fellowship that God's people, had, that God had put around them at that time. So that's the second point. God's original design, they devoted themselves to becoming a loving church, a loving church. And, and here's some of the verses out of that. All the believers were together, had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together enjoying the favour of all people. Now, this wasn't just a description of um, communism or um, socialist uh, utopia or, or something like that. It's, it's not that. I, I've actually heard people say that. Oh, that, that's why communism works. And I go, no, that's not what it's saying. Get real. You know, it's nothing like that. It, it just literally demonstrates how we should have love for one another, how our love should be for one another. And the reason the early church could share their possessions as easily as they did is because they actually lived out the second part of the great commandment, to love your neighbour as yourself, to love your neighbour as yourself. And you see that this unity and love were such a powerful and evident in this and very different to their culture as it is for us. You know, the way that God has called us is very different to our culture. And I know it, it, it's difficult sometimes to get some context on that and go, well, yeah, but I've got to look after myself. I'm number one. Just do it. All the, all the logos that we get smashed with, you know, day in and day out. And then there's God's word. And I read it every now and then. And which one's going to get the, the preference in our thinking? It's the thing you, you, you let into your head the most. And that's why you've got to read God's word. And it says here they enjoy the favour of all the people. Wow. It must have been significant. For, for that to impact that many people. And, and really, when you think about it, why wouldn't you want to join into something like this? Something that's so countercultural, so different, where they love and cared for each other, you know, where, where there was just this um, uh, acceptance and this compassion. And, and as a result, their numbers exploded and thousands came to, try, to Christ. It, it, it's so attractive. And when we're talking about being a loving church, we're, being, we're talking about being connected to each other in Christ, being a close fellowship and, and people who serve one another out of true ministry, not because it gives you a position, not because it's the thing we think we should do. It's, be, it's, it's actually the ministry we are all called to, 
to love one another, to love one another, to love our neighbour as ourselves. It's what we're meant to do. Matthew 19 says that, love your neighbour as yourself. And, and what, would it, what would it take? What would happen if we actually took Jesus at his word on this? If we actually said, well, let's actually live that way. Could you imagine the difference it could make in our church and our community? Really, if you thought about it, how, how differently would our church or the churches affect our community if we really worked this out in our lives, if we operate in this principle? If we really were concerned of other people's happiness and their problems and their disappointments and, and if we really care for them the way Jesus is suggesting we should in these passages. You know, and, and here's the, the, the truth. Our, our love for one another is one of the greatest witnesses to the world. It says, it says that over and over in the scripture, but, but our love for one another as the church is a witness to the world. It backs up everything we say and do in our community. Because if we can't love each other well, we've really got nothing to offer the world. If we can't live in unity and peace and joy and all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, what are we saying to the world? This is another club? This is just another social club? We do good things? Because there's lots of good things in this world, can I tell you? There's so many great, great causes in this world. But I'm telling you, if we haven't got that Holy Spirit deposit, that empowerment of the Holy Spirit to love one another and to love our neighbours ourselves, that's the, the foundation, the starting point, I believe. And it's the thing that, that is our witness to this world. And our mission statement is, says this, to reach and positively influence our community and world. How do we do that? We don't go and headlock them. We don't go and bang on their doors and, and preach at them. You know, like People have tried that. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's love. It's absolute love. It's love for each other. When they see us relating to each other, they go, I want that. I want that. When they see our, our un, un, um, committed love to, to, I mean, not uncommitted, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no expectations on that. When we just give love with, with no expectations, unconditional, that's the word. I knew it was there somewhere. When we've got that sort of love, that's attractive. They go, well, why are you doing this? What's this all about? What's this all about? See, that's the thing that will make a difference in this place. And sometimes or too often, the opposite is true, unfortunately. And um, see, a loving church is a church family. And, and I and Robin and, and most of us here think of a church as like, it's, it's actually our family, our church family, our spiritual family. And, uh, you know, and I think, I don't know how you operate with your family, but, but I just don't um, say, well, uh, I'll, I'll never talk to you. I'll just see you next Sunday. I'll never connect with you. I'll, I'll never, I'll never ask you to anything. I'll, I'll just, I'll just see you next Sunday for for an hour again, hour and a half, and 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 then I'll see you next Sunday after that. Or, or maybe I'm away for a few Sundays, so I'll see you in about a month. And that's not the way you do family. Your family live together. That they work together. They, they actually have a common goal. And uh, you've got this written here. Man, woman and child bound together in love, in unity, backing each other, encouraging each other, supporting each other, even correcting each other, in love of course, 
And it sounds easy when you say it like that, but I know it's really difficult. I know it is. You know, I just know it's tough, you know, because people let us down. People hurt us. People take advantage of us. People, and it's messy. People are messy. They are, they're just messy and it's difficult and, and it's easier not to. Yes, it is. It's easier not to, but it's not what Jesus tells us to do. It's not what the church is meant to do. And I understand, and, and, and for many of us, we don't want to be accountable. I just want to live my life my way and I'll see you next Sunday. I don't want to have any accountability. I don't want anyone telling me, well, that's not the right, or you should be thinking about that, or Greg, you know, come on, lift your game a little bit. No, no, I don't want that. I'll just, I'll just go into my little cocoon and I'll see you again next Sunday. I'll put on my happy face and, and say g'day to everybody and look really happy and then I'll see you again next Sunday. That's not church. That's just a social club, you know? And we play God music and we, we do all that stuff. But unless we're actually entering into the theology of, and the template and the foundation of what God has, has set out for us here as the church, we're not really the church. We're, we're a facade of that. We're a masquerade. Now, I'm not saying that we're not good at this, by the way. I think we're really good at it. But I never want to take it for granted. You know, I never want to take for granted the love and the unity and the fellowship that is here right now. We have to get better at that though. We have to be better at being that loving church that God has designed us to be. Never lose that, the foundations, the, the template that he's put in place. And that's why it's so important to spend time on this stuff. And this morning I, I really want to challenge you to think about the way you are living and why you're living that way. If the model is of God's design for his church is this is that we are meant to, to, to do that, don't let insecurities or, 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 or compromise or, or influence by culture or any of those things hold you back from what the word of God says about the church. Caring for one another, helping one another, serving one another. This can only happen through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's impossible to do it in our own strength. Well, it's impossible to do it in my own strength anyway. You might be able to do it, but I can't. I just know I can't. Loving churches where there's true caring and fellowship and ministry. And it says this, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. It's mentioned twice in this passage. And one, I think, relates to um, the, the Last Supper, what Jesus said at the Last Supper, do this in memory of me, the bread and the wine, and the bread represents the body and the wine and the blood. And never forget that Jesus Christ is the centrepiece of our Christian faith and of the church. And the second aspect of that is, is food and sharing food. It's so central to people fellowshipping together. There's something about when people just eat together. Just something great about just eating with people and, and, and just consuming food and, and, and it's just lovely just to sit with people and, 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 and eat food together. I don't know what it is. But, but it just it makes it easy to converse and, and all those sorts of things. And uh, it just brings a closeness and an ease. And, and today, just, just consider maybe asking someone home for lunch. Just consider maybe asking someone home for lunch. doesn't matter if you haven't got any food prepared. Get hot chips on the way home or, or whatever. I just talked about fat, haven't I? Yeah, salt. Maybe not hot chips. Maybe something else. But anyway, whatever you like. The other thing that says here, they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves and committed themselves to prayer. They prayed for the Holy Spirit to come. They prayed together. They shared 
how Jesus, they would have shared to these 3,000 people how Jesus had taught them how to pray. The Lord's Prayer gives them a, a template and he, and he modelled that and, and how he taught them how important it was and everything he did was based in prayer. You know, every hurdle, every, every miracle, every challenge was based in prayer. And, and the disciples, you know, they would have passed it on to these people. And, and that brings me to that third point there. God's original design, they devote themselves to become a worshipping church. You see, prayer is a part of our worship, meeting together, praying together, as, as corporately and also uh, you know, individually, our goal is one. It doesn't matter if we're all praying in different places, there's still a unity because we've got the same focus. It, bring it brings the focus to that. And, and a few of the verses out of this, this passage. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. You see, the early church was built on prayer and it was built on worship. Maybe not the worship we, we understand, but it was built on worship. And, and the book of Acts is this uh, history book of the early church. And, and here's the thing, out of that prayer and out of that worship, miracles happened every day, every day. A, a dynamic, vibrant, worshipful church results from sincere praise and sincere communion with God. It's not about a drawing, a, attracting a crowd. See, we don't do worship to attract a crowd. We try to do good music so that it's easy to be a part of, but we don't do it to attract a crowd. Um, you know, and to become a worshipping church means, for me, we have to shift our focus. And natural inclination, and I don't know about you, but I can come to church with all sorts of things in my head, and so often I'll end up, worshipping my problems or my money or my finances or, or, or the issues that I've dealt with or, or the car that's broken down or, or you, know, you just get caught up in that stuff and it's not that helpful when you think about it. It's not that helpful and they're the little gods in our lives but the Bible teaches we put on this earth to primarily to know God and walk with him and bring him glory in that union, to bring that glory in our relationship with him. You know, John 4, 21 and 24 says this. Jesus says this. Believe me, a time is coming when you worship the Father. He says this to the Samaritan woman at the well. Neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship with what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipper the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. We have to worship in spirit and in truth. Now truth might be our mind. We have to think about that. We have to spirit, worship in truth and, and we have to know who we're worshipping. We need to know why we're worshipping. We need to agree with God about who he is and, and what he can do in us and through us. See, that's the word. And that's knowing that's knowing the mind of God and, and letting that speak into our, our, our hearts and our minds. And, and that's why it's so important to study the Bible and, 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 and that worship go hand in hand. But we've got to worship God with our mind but also our heart, our heart. You know, we, we need to understand we have to engage our heart and our spirits and our emotions in this process. And that doesn't mean you have to be emotional. Blokes, it's okay. All the blokes go, oh, I don't know. No, it's okay, you don't have to be emotional. I'm not saying you have to be emotional, but you have to engage your heart in worship. 
To have true worship has to be a heart and a head thing, not just a head thing. It has to be a heart thing. Engage your heart, spirit of God in us and let it get stirred up. And, and, and we can, there can be an outward excitement of that. You don't have to, by the way, but there can be. You know, we can go to sport games and concerts and, and all sorts of things and get really excited and jump up and down and scream and shout, for goodness sake, why don't we do about that about God, the creator of the universe, the one deeply cares for each and every one of us. It's okay to get excited in worship. Again, you don't have to do anything, but maybe if you consider devoting yourself to that, maybe you might want to step up a little in that. You know, maybe that there, there will, will be a time where you, you disregard what that person next to you is doing and maybe you might even lift your hands. You know, I know for some people it's really difficult. I, I do. I, I know that for myself personally. But you, you do it at your own speed. But don't hold back just because you're fearful of what other people say or think or do. Seriously, no one else is watching you in the church service. <laughs> Seriously, they're not. They're worried about their own relationship with God. You know, so, so, so it's just something that I, I just know sometimes we get caught up in that stuff. So what was the outcome of that devotion? All that devoted themselves to. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. As we devote ourselves, the God does works in that. You know, it says everyone was filled with awe. There was an expectancy and anticipation of what God was going to do in them and through them. And I love that. It's the same awe if you've been on a mission trip. It's the same awe you get on a mission trip. It's just like, oh, my goodness, God can do anything. It's just incredible. It, it, and I love that thing. You know, I remember um, on a trip to the Philippines, um, I might have told you about this. No, I didn't tell you about this part, but a few weeks ago, um, we were in the Philippines and I'd just spoken for, they tell, told me I was just going to be interviewed on this radio station. There was, a, there was six million people in the listening area and, and, uh, and basically they, <laughs> they just turned on the microphone and said, okay, go for your life. And I'm going, what do you mean? They said, oh, well, just talk for half an hour. Okay, I guess. And so I, I, I luckily I had some notes with me, otherwise I was going to be in strife to talk for half an hour. I don't have good small talk, by the way. If you've talked to me, you'll notice that. But uh, um, talk for half an hour, and okay, I did that. Whew, they did the news, and then uh, said, okay, that was good. Do it again, will you? For another half an hour. So, what do you like? And anyway, it was an amazing opportunity, and, and, uh, um, and, and so I did it the hour. And I remember. The one McDonald's within 100 kilometres, we actually had to drive, drive past this town to get back to where we were staying. And so I you know, had rice for like two weeks and McDonald's looked really attractive at that stage. So we stopped there and, and went to McDonald's and, and uh, this young guy was cleaning an ice cream machine, I think. I think that's what he's doing. And, uh, and this spike went straight through his hand and there was blood. He was just right at the counter. There was blood going straight everywhere and this spike went through his hand and can I tell you I this is the, the, the place when you've got anticipation expectancy I, I actually I had to hold everything back within me from jumping the counter and praying for him you know when you get in that, that, that spiritual place where you just go God can do anything and I had everything within me I want to jump that counter and pray for this guy but the thing that stopped me I look around there was armed guards there's armed guards with all the exits in these places I thought 
No, it might be a good look if I jump the counter and they shoot me. So, um, so, so I didn't, but I, I still almost regret not doing that because I, you know, it was just one of those responses that I didn't expect to come out of me, but it was just out of that uh, awe, that word awe, that anticipation, that expectancy of what God would do. And, uh, and so often we don't live with that awe in our lives. Can I encourage you to do that? It, we need to get back that awe in God of what is possible. Um, you know, truthfully, our, our Christianity can become boring and predictable if we're not really careful. If we lose that awe in God... That, that first love of God, that first relationship, it can get pretty mundane. And we have to fan the flame of that awe in our lives. We have to constantly be working at that. You know, if we truly lived a life of awe with God, it would just be an adventure. Our life would just be an adventure. You know, we, we would be living out of that faith. Uh, we'd be living a different way. We, we'd be living full of boldness and full of God and full of faith and full of grace and, and full of generosity, full of love and full of joy and full of awe. We'd be awe-inspired. With a cre- Look, you only have to go outside. You go to the beach, just walk along the rocks and see creation and be in awe of God's creation. Open your eyes. Just see what God's made. It's stunning. Stunning, you know. Um, probably the, this the jumped out at me the most when we went to uh, the Barry Reef, and and you know, and you, you're snorkeling and you're at the Barry Reef, and you, you're seeing all the beautiful big fish everywhere. There's a great big groper that I was so scared of. He kept following me, and I'm thinking he's got, he's got me. But but it's actually when you got up close, when you got close to the coral, and you saw the beautiful coloured baby little fish, and 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 crustaceans and different animals that lived in the... When you got up really close and, you, and I was just in awe of God's creation, I'm going, whoa, it's not just the big stuff, it's the little stuff as well. And it's stunning sometimes when you, you get a revelation of, of that beauty and that magnificence and it gives us an awe of God through what he's done through his creation. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. People are being saved because they are in awe of their God. The Lord added to their number. Notice that there's two things in that little passage. Salvation and being added to the church. You see, I don't know, for me I, I never really got that till I, I read this passage well. So you can have salvation but without the church it just doesn't stick. It just doesn't stay. And you can come to church, but if you don't have salvation, you just don't get why we're doing what we're doing. We need those two things together. Salvation and belong to the church, part of the church. As I said, it was just a revelation for me when I I realised that. They were added to their number daily. And their number meant they were in the body of Christ. Nearly finished. This is the last one. God's original design become an evangelistic church become an evangelistic church and it doesn't mean we run programs necessarily although we're running Alpha and we expect to have a great response from that but it's not about the programs it's about 
who we are, what we're devoted to. And out of that, people just attracted to that. You know, they get to see the love of Christ. They get to see the body in action. And they are attracted to that. Evangelism happened as a part of the everyday life for the disciples. Every day people were saved, it says there. And, and people, healthy, healthy churches grow. This, this, the book of Acts church grew and they reproduce. Healthy Christians reproduce as well, by the way. And, and we speak into others' lives. When we are full of Christ, when we're on fire for God, when we're fully devoted to the things of God, I'm telling you, you only want to talk about God things to people. You only want to display the love of God to people. You don't have to preach them, by the way. I'm not saying all our words have to be God-based and preach the word and all that. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying do the godly thing. Respond to them out of love, out of compassion, out of, out of what God would want you to do out of our devotion to Christ and and the body of Christ out of that that's where evangelism happens people are attracted to that, they want to know more about that, what's this all about I don't get it, what what do you do I need to know more about this and that's when courses like Alpha work really well because they can ask all the questions it's structured, they can get to know a little bit more about our Christianity so evangelism is definitely not planned, a planned event. It's definitely not a, a thing we put on. It's, it's not a, a, a department. It's our role, every single one of us. As we devote ourselves to the body of Christ, to the things of the kingdom, to God, evangelism is an outflow of that, an outpouring of that, an outworking of that. It's a natural consequence of a healthy relationship in Christ. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.